Guys, so breaking news, after the episode was already complete, right, all the editing was done and everything, I text John, said, hey man, the episode turned out great, it's going to come out this Tuesday. He said, man, I pulled the trigger, I actually started the YouTube channel. So the YouTube channel is up, it's live right now, you can search John Davenport on YouTube and the link will be in the show notes, definitely be sure to check that out. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, let's get started. Turn it up, you tuning into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We talking cheer, we talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on, let's begin. This is episode number 74. Not sure if there's going to be a 75, but thank you for joining. I told you guys a few weeks ago that we had a special guest coming on from Cheer Athletics, and today is that day. Today we have on John Davenport, someone I highly respect in this industry. We first met having to compete against each other, and our respect for each other has been there ever since. So glad that we finally got the chance to sit down and actually talk about everything going on. What hasn't this man done in the industry? He's coached teams such as Kitty Cats. Maybe you've heard of Sassy Cats. Maybe you've heard of Swoosh Cats. Maybe you know who Cheetahs are. Maybe you know who the B-A-B-S Panthers let's go. Not sure if I'm forgetting someone. Maybe I am. If I am, my bad, but it's track record again speaks for itself but before we get into this conversation do us a favor share this podcast with someone who loves cheer athletics the blue the black the white if it's your first time here thanks for checking out the show you'll want to subscribe because we always have a great interesting conversation going on and if not a conversation we have a great a flat out guest who's just awesome real quick gotta give a shout out to Roz I gave a shout out to Emma B one of our former American cheer athletes during the episode, but I didn't realize that John actually coached Roz as well on Sassy Cat. So shout out to Roslyn. We're so proud of all of your hard work out there in Texas, and we miss you tons. I'm the cheer director at American Cheer, AKSC.com, sharing with you my life, running a program, managing a staff, coaching the athletes, and working with the parents. And on the other side of the microphone is your favorite coach's favorite coach, John Davenport. John, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Dude, hey, here we are. Glad that we made this happen. Um, super excited. Been a big fan of yours forever. So glad that we actually got to sit down. We're actually going to talk cheerleading today. So thanks for coming on. Likewise, likewise. I'm glad we were able to connect. Um, we've competed against each other. We've watched each other. Um, we've tried to connect. So I'm just super excited um, and grateful to be here to chat about cheer. So yeah, man, let's let's do it. So you know, tell the people first, first question I ask every episode, how'd you get into cheer? Let's hear your story, man. Um, I got into cheer through my stepsisters. Long story short, um, they were school cheerleaders. That's kind of how I was introduced to it. Um, so they kind of taught me how to do like back handsprings in the grass, but I just tumbled with them. And then uh, at a middle school, I saw this all-star cheer team like come in during like a halftime performance and this guy did a full and I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. So I ended up, I'm from Kansas originally, so I ended up going to um, Advanced Cheer All-Stars. I don't know if you're familiar, they're a small gym level three. Um, Christy Shaw is the owner. Ended up cheering there for a year. Um, 
Then I moved to Cherry Clips from Wichita, Kansas. Yep. Kind of the same experience. When I was on that team, we traveled to Dallas for ACA Nationals. It was the first time I had saw like a Spirit of Texas or a Triathletics Wildcats, and I was like completely shook. Like I'd never seen a team do a triple toe back like Spirit of Texas. <laughs> and then that was the year that Wildcats had like laid on the floor and sprawled out. Mm-hmm. So then when I was on comments, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm moving to Texas. And I didn't know like CA or Spirit or what the vibe was, but that's kind of like the same experience. I ended up going to Triathletics ultimately starting there on Wildcats. Um, in 2010. And then I was on Cheetos and Wild and then grew into a coaching role. Um, The owners, the directors, the people at CA kind of took me under their wing. And I've been at Triathletics ever since. So it's, I got into cheer just, I just love it. Um, I love the tumbling aspect of it. I like the work ethic part. And I'm just a people person. Yeah. Um, And so I think that's what I liked the most about it. Like at a younger age was being around so many different people, so many different kids, literally frolicking is what we call it. Just like having so much fun. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. Dude, good stuff. So that leads me to my, my next thing. Um, So I've noticed this about cheer athletics. Well, real quick, let me ask you this. What teams are you coaching this year? I coach Panthers, Cheetahs, and Sassy Cats. There we go. Panthers, Cheetahs, Sassy. Good stuff. Like the most iconic names in the industry, right? <laughs> Good stuff, man. All right. So um, Panthers, Cheetahs, Sassy. Now I've noticed this. I'm not sure if I've noticed this, noticed this, but I, I have. So I want to ask you about Cheathletics. Like you come in and I, so here's, here's where I'm going with this. I know race bikes, right? I knew him way back in the day when I was cheering at SFA. And he he wasn't even cheering at Navarro yet. He tried out at SFO. He came to like a stunt clinic or something like that. And I I literally remember teaching him like walk up hands lib, right? He's like fresh, fresh. <laughs> Teach him walk up hands lib. And he goes off to Navarro. Like, I'm not sure if you're ready for SFA, but he goes off to Navarro and he cheers and obviously blossoms to this great cheerleader. Um, cheers at your athletics. And then like three years later, he's coaching wild, right? And I'm like, man, that was like a quick... <laughs> like progression, like to go from like nothing to like coaching Wildcats. Right. And then I kind of seem like you just came out of nowhere and you're coaching all these teams. So what's it, how does cheer athletics like really <laughs> develop coaches? Cause I always see people um, that I didn't really know. And, but in like prominent positions there. So how do you guys, what's the system like that you guys are developing coaches? Well, first off, I love Ray um, coach. I coached with him on Sassy for a long time and we actually were starting Navarro like the same year. Um, but with, and I was kind of like in the same similar situation as Ray. Like, I think I started coaching Panthers when I was 19 turning 20. Um, and everyone was like, who is this? You know, I don't know. Um, well, first of all, I think at Triathletics, something that we do well is kind of develop athletes in our program and then try to develop them into class coaches, prep coaches, and then all-star coaches. We very rarely hire outside, um, of our program specifically in Plano. So I think that is kind of why there are people that aren't really like unknown or kind of transitioning into those spots because we we're just cheerleaders, you know, at CA and then they teach us. Well, not only do they teach us, they allow us to like grow into the coach that we want to be. Um, a lot of people probably assume that it's like, this is the CA way you have to do it like this. This is how you do this. It's completely the opposite. Like, when I first started coaching, they were like, this is your team, do what you want, make it successful, 
like this is your brand. And I think that's kind of how we end up in those positions. Like specifically Ray, I mean, he, he grew so much um, as a coach, like when his first couple of years and he has the passion, the drive, he was a wildcat. I mean, there's so many, there's so many factors that go into who, you know, should go on to what team. And it's a huge puzzle and there's so many people involved, but I think that's kind of how people end up in those prominent positions. Like the year before I got Panthers, I was on a team. I was on wild and I followed Panthers everywhere. I was at every Panther practice. I was doing their blush before they competed. Like I was just, I felt like a Panther. And then, you know, the next year the opportunity opened up because we were franchising our first location. One of the Panther coaches were moving and, um, it just worked out to where I ended up going to that team. And so I think it's, there's a lot that goes into it, but a lot of our coaches are bred in house and a lot of our coaches that end up on those teams are athletes in our program and then become coaches. I think we have at least six or seven coaches throughout the program. Who's been there for at least 15 years, 20 yeah. years. Oh, good stuff. So, um, again, you coach these super iconic teams. What is, what is the best part about coaching? Let's just say, let's say Panthers right now. The best part about coaching Panthers right now is like the fight that these girls have and like the urge, like last year was not our best season. We did not have the best results um, at NCA and Worlds. And so when you come back from a year where it's just like a struggle, not, it wasn't a really a struggle. It was just our performances were a struggle. And we have a bunch of new girls who are like really eager, excited to be there and so I think my favorite part about coaching Panthers this year is like the fresh new faces and kind of like climbing the mountain again. Um, it's kind of like the way we look at it, but to be brutally honest, like in the beginning it was like ego, right? It's like, I'm coaching Panthers. You know, it's like, look at me. I coach Panthers. Like I'm going to wear a Panther shirt everywhere. And like that, that kind of like, you know, like, like I look back and it was like, that was more of like my favorite part of coaching Panthers was saying like, I coach Panthers. But then like, yeah. now that this is my 10th year, like, this is, it's crazy to say that it's literally crazy to say this is my 10th year, but over the 10 years you have like, we broke the curse. Like what, what else, you know, grand at NCA worst fourth at worlds fourth at NCA. You've kind of won majors. You do it all right within like that 10 year span. So then yeah. your priorities kind of shift and the, like what excites you about that team kind of shifts. And I know that sounds weird, but even becoming a dad shifts the way, that you approach athletes or young women. And so my favorite part is like getting back to just loving what I do and coaching kids rather than worrying about what the division's doing or worrying about what the score sheet's doing or kind of yeah. just finding my joy, like in that team, if that makes sense. Yeah. And man, I know we specifically talked about Panthers, but I mean, it really is, it really does go for all of them because they're all, uh, again, all iconic teams, all teams that you don't need to put, and you don't have to say cheer athletics Panthers. You just have to say Panthers, right? You just have to say cheetahs. You just have to say sassy, and everyone knows exactly who you're talking about, right? So, so you coach these teams. Um, but what's like the so what's the hardest part now? The hardest part, I think, I mean, there's so many difficult points. The first thing is like the difficulty of cheer nowadays and the caliber these athletes have to be at. And then the number, like we have to have 38 of them on Panthers and Cheetahs, right? <laughs> and then, so I just think like, since I cheered, the routines are just so much more difficult. They're so much more jam packed. And like the respect I have for these kids that were asking, not even just at the world's level, it could be any level. 
it's just physically hard. And then I think the, the year-long season where there's really no break, I think the hardest part is burnout. I think the hardest part is keeping them motivated. And I think the hardest part is um, motivating them against social media. I think, especially with the teams that you're mentioning, everyone wants to talk about them, good or bad. And like our kids will come in reading like hundreds of comments from YouTube that are just like so devastating. It's hard to motivate myself, you know, reading them, let alone motivate like 38 other kids, you know. So I think the hardest part is quote unquote burnout or like outside pressure. There's never a break. It's never good enough. And so it's really just hard to keep them motivated, to keep them wanting um, to do it. You're doing social media on a whole different, not you, actually, we should talk about that too, but your, your kids have social media on a whole different level, right? In the industry, in the, like one of those teams that everyone wants to talk about and they have to deal with, you know, if someone drops at NCA, right, the whole world is talking about (laughs) it, right? Like if, you know, if my, if someone drops on my junior level two team, the only people talking about it are the kids on my junior level two team and, you know, maybe some other kid, but you're right. It's just them. But when someone drops on Panthers or, you know, whoever it's the whole world is talking about that or bashing this kid and all these things, or you guys go out there and have a great performance and people just go, yeah, it just wasn't for me. Like Panthers just isn't my team and I'm a, you know, CEA person. Right. So how do you deal with what's that? Honestly, what is that like as a coach? Have you having to deal with it, reading through all the comments and then, you know, having to deal with your kids dealing with it. Dude, I could talk about, so when you ask, like, what I could talk about forever, especially the social media component. I think as coaches, it's our job to stay relevant and to know what's happening in the social media world and the aspect of what our kids are seeing. Back in the day when I cheered, like, I remember, like, Instagram becoming a thing and then Twitter, like, becoming a thing. And, like, back then, like, the Matt McGrath, the Mackenzie Swicegoods, the Amber Brandons, like, you knew who they were. And it was like, you saw them at competitions. You had the same feeling, right? Like, oh my God, there they are. Like, oh my God, there's there's the best cheerleader. But we didn't have phones. We didn't have something to like share it. And so as it's shifted, I've been a part of the shift. You go from like, everyone wants a picture. Everyone wants a video. Now everyone wants to follow them on YouTube. It's so challenging, I would say, because you want to stay relevant, right? You want to know what people are saying. But then it's so it's just mentally draining, honestly, and it's mentally draining for the kids. But like you said, when Panthers are dropping or Cheetahs are dropping or Sassy's dropping it and it's on cheer updates and it's got 500 retweets and then they're bashing the way that we coach or they're bashing the technique or they're like bashing the kids. It's just hard to like get in front of your kids and be like, ignore it. Right. Cause as a coach, we're like, it's social media. Everyone's going to have something good, something bad to say, but it's such a whirlwind, right? Like, at majors, Panthers laid out one of our best routines. And then all of a sudden they're like, Panthers are so good. Panthers are so clean. Panthers are the best team. And then we dropped the first day at NCA and then it's just, we're the worst team, mm-hmm. all yeah. this stuff. And then our, and honestly, our kids believe what people say, teenagers, especially they, it's going to affect them in a way. So it's just brutal. It really is brutal. And the, there's this positives to it, right? Like when we're doing well, like social media is boosting you and you have a fan base and like, it's so fun to be right before you go at NCA and we can't compete because the arena's flooded. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to sit here and like bash social, like social media and be like, it's the worst thing ever because there's so many great things that can come out of it and that do come out of it. It's just a double edged sword. I would say um, with having just social media influencing 
the way that people might perceive your team or the way that you coach your team or the way that we practice. It's just frustrating, but understandable at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So talk to me about this. Um, I, I've always been on large co-ed teams. I don't think I've ever been on small co-ed. Yeah, I've never been on small co-ed team, always large co-ed teams. And, you know, the dynamic on a large co-ed team is the dynamic on a large co-ed team. Lots of testosterone, lots of guys out there, right? <laughs> lots of mochismo. And then, um, but then I started coaching all girl and that's what I've been coaching. And I've coached a couple of small co-ed teams with like one or two boys, like two boys at the max, right? I think one year I had three boys on a team, but but mostly all girl teams, um, which is very different. So talk to me about the difference between coaching cheetahs and coaching panthers, just the dynamics was having a large co-ed and a um, all girl team. It's so different. <laughs> like, it's so crazy how different it is. I never really realized that. This is only my third year coaching cheetahs. Um, so I've had like a couple of years to kind of notate it. And each year is different. Like each all-girl year is different in itself. And then each co-ed year is different. So then when you compare them, they're so different. But specifically, the boys bring an element, I think, of just like oh, over-the-top intensity, which I appreciate. Like it's like you said, a lot of testosterone, like a lot of, almost like a lot of ego, like a lot of like, ooh, you know, like grit and grind. And it's that competitiveness where it's like you have to be the best and I'm not saying girls do not have that at all I'm just saying it's more noticeable on a large co-ed team where it's more emotional and it's more like grit and it's honestly like they're so the boys are crazy like boys are just funny crazy emotional crazy just they bring a whole nother fun side to it um like the way that they treat the females and they love the little flyer girls and like they build that like big brother type of bond is really unique in comparison to all girl where it's like, we're all the same. Like we're all equals. We're, we're all the same. And it's like that um, teenage girl, you know how it is. Yeah, there are a couple yeah. of adjectives I could <laughs> use to describe it. And it's like the best of like, they're so sweet. Like they really are nice. There's no like over the topness that comes from cheetahs, but I think, and just the physicality of it too, it just, they're, the girls on an all-girl team, like for Panthers specifically, you have to do a standing to double, a running to double, all of the studs, the baskets, and the dance. With cheetahs, like there's more give or take where some boys are just co-ed boys, you know, and they come in and they get to stunt. So it's it's different because you're not – there's not 38 routines that are like over the top for two and a half minutes. There's less less intensity in the physical part, I would say, but – they couldn't be any more different, but equally as fun and enjoyable. There we go. Good stuff, man. And the divisions themselves are so different. Like when you just look at large co-ed and you look at large senior, obviously they're equally as competitive. I believe any team can win on any given weekend. Whoever the best team is, is probably going to hit and probably going to win. Right. And it's just the choreography aspect is so different. And I think like those divisions are so similar and so different at the same time. Yeah. Well, let's dive into it. Let's dive into um, how the divisions differ for you. Ooh, dude, large senior. I've just been in large senior longer, so I've seen it shift. Like we went from 10 teams. Now we're down to four. And each one has its own little like style or grit that's evolved like throughout the sea. I don't know. It's just, it's just different. And the differences in the divisions aren't really like when you think about competitiveness, it's not really that different. They're both competitive. You have to do hard stuff, but like 
I feel like in large co-ed, because of the division, we can get away with doing, I don't know if that if this makes sense, but less now. Like it used to go from like 11 co-eds, 11 elite stunts to now, you know, Top Gun wins with seven elites, 11 co-eds. I'm not really sure of the numbers, but it's like, it's requiring less now and it's being more consistent when I feel like large seniors were crying more, like front answering half ups, high to high full round ticks. And I feel like in, in large senior, whatever one team's doing, they're all going to kind of do. And in large co-ed, they're kind of like each have their own style. They stick to what they want. And it's like, it's different. I don't know how to describe yeah. it. <laughs> no, you're good, man. All right, man. So I want to hop over to Sassy. And real quick, shout out to Emma Buck. Um, I used to coach her. You coach her now. So um, there we go. Dude, she's the best, man. Love her. I mean, I love them all. She is just a little sweet perfectionist. I just love her. Yeah, she's great. So yeah, so, so glad that she uh, made it out to you guys and that she's uh, killing. So shout out to Emma Emma B. Um, shout out to Emma. Um, but yeah, so sassy, man. So we have this um, in a world full of just everyone wants to be on a world's team. The only thing the industry cares about are world's teams. Um, we have this level four team that is, you know, one of the most popular teams in the entire industry with sassy cats. So uh, talk to us about them developing their culture um, and like what it's like coaching them. Dude, Sassy is everything and more when you want, like when you think about starting a team or starting a culture or starting a brand. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, like at CA, the owners preach like, this is your team. This is your brand. Like this is your chance to kind of make a name. So I think going into my second year coaching, um, Amber Brandon or Mitchell and race bikes, we were kind of like, we want to start something that everyone wants to be a part of, like at the lower level, like in level four. And so we thought of a name, we used an old dance name. It used to be a dance team, but there were sassy cats and crew cats and crunk cats and all this stuff. And we're like, that name is cute. We don't have the dance program anymore. And so we're like, let's just build a large senior four and call it sassy. And let's really thrive to use this as a learning platform as a growing platform for all three of us as coaches. Um, because like when we got to CA, like there was Jags, Panthers, Cheetahs, and you thought of the coaches who coached that Brad, Angela, Joe. Um, and we wanted that, you know, for, and that was the same year I started, not started Kitty, but I went to Kitty Cats. So that was the same year that I was like, I'm going to dive in at level one. I'm going to dive in level four. Long story short, we created the team sassy. We created the name and we were like, let's be as out of the box, you know, as possible. And so we ended up starting with our dance at the beginning, yep. you know, like just no one's ever done that. Let's do that. Um, and we just did different things to try to make us more unique. And we just focused on ourselves and the culture, the culture building and the, the foundation of that culture was so important that year as far as having a pink scrunchie in our hair every practice and, you know, having the pink lips and, every practice we play like this really feminine girly music to where it's like, it's exciting to be a part of. And then all of a sudden people want to be a sassy cat. People want to go watch sassy cats. And I think it was, we fell so in love with each other and we loved being there and we had so much fun. This is coaches like, and kids and two that people saw like the fun that we were having and the joy that it all brought us coaches too, like coaches and athletes were all like, Oh, I want to be on sassy or whatever it was. And it, it just started to grow. Um, from that first year into this, we didn't, 
I don't think we won anything our first year. And then second year we won in CA. And then the third year we ended up winning both. It was definitely a, a growing period in a building, but people were wanting to be on our team before we started like winning, um, which helped us, I think. But the culture building and the foundation, it was really, I think what separated us was we started doing things that other teams in the gym weren't doing. Like we would come in on a Saturday from eight to five and we would come in and do 20 of the invert and 20 of the full round tick. And it was kind of like setting a new standard of what the expectation was to have a team at that caliber to be that prepared. So real quick, did you, did you say eight to five, like 8am to 5pm? <laughs> yes. But that was, <laughs> yes, that that's more choreography based though. You know, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know how much I'm one of those people that I can spend all day and nine to nine doing choreo because I can run a section and choreograph a section and then I want to tweak it. And then, you know, so you have all that time built in. But like I said, like other coaches would never think about doing that. Like no one wants to go up a Saturday. And then, and that was when I was 19 or 18. Like I didn't have uh, outside priorities like CA and like those teams were like the only thing that I lived, breathed and ate for. And so it kind of helps build that all right <laughs> eight to five i was like eight to five i was like oh that's why they're good yeah crazy man okay so um with sassy what year what year did you guys start with the dance was that 2015 yes that was our first year yeah that was 2015 okay so john i have to i have to admit something to you i did not in 2016 when we competed against each other in that division large senior four i did not mean to steal your pyramid so I will, I will, I will tell you the story right now. So. <laughs> I, I was wondering. <laughs> I was like, we got to get to the bottom of this. So actually, this will happen. So we competed, you know, we're here in Southern California and we're competing against SCV every competition, right? Not every competition, but, you know, every other weekend we're competing against them. And um, I don't know. They beat us at Spirit Sports pretty handedly, like, I was like, okay, well, we lost him at Spirit Sports. And um, actually, we first lost to S4 at American Grand. Then we lost to them at Spirit Sports. I think we went, well, no, I think we went on to win NCA that year. Uh, we were in the A split. Oh, no, we were in the C split. We were in the C split. So we won NCA that year. Uh, but then we come back home and we lose to, to SCV again. And they were good. They were good, good. And I'm like, man. Good, good. I'm I'm sick and tired of losing these guys. Like I had gotten to a to a boiling point. I'm just sick of losing to them. And I'm like, we got Summit coming up. All right, we got to make some pyramid upgrades. So I I just get online and I just look at the top three teams in every division from the year before, from 2015, 2014, 2015 season. I just get online and look at every pyramid from the top three teams in every competition. And I'm looking, I'm looking, and I see Sassy's pyramid. And I go, that was cool. <laughs> write that down and I wrote it down or whatever I had zero I didn't even know I knew it was a triathletics team no idea it was sassy cats just knew it was a triathletics team had no idea we were going to compete against you guys had zero clue you were doing it in your routine again you know that season but we did that and we put it in the routine and SCV had this little cool transition that I really liked and I'm like dude I, I've gotten to a point I can't lose to them anymore. So I took a little bit of SCV, took Sassy Cats from the you know the year before, and then all of a sudden I see that you guys are doing it the same year, you know, again. And I was like, oh my bad. So you know, not to say I wouldn't have stolen it, but I didn't mean to steal it on purpose. We've all done it, but yeah. 
<laughs> I'm like, we've, we've all done it. Um, For sure. It's so weird how that division or any division really, because I remember creating Sassy and just like watching, I think it was Passion from Ice. And I'm like, holy moly. And then I think they ended up winning our split at NCA our first year with a drop stunt. Like Sassy hits perfect and Passion goes out there and drops a stunt and they still win. I was like, oh my God, like that kind of taught me that like back then that you could drop a stunt and win. Um, and so that, and then the next year we ended up, I think winning NCA. It's really weird, but the two teams were the two teams that I watched that I was like, oh my God, I have to beat them. Like your SCV were passion. And then I think a couple years later were PCM, which we have to talk about that. <laughs> um, that what, what year was that? That was, I think that was Sassy's second year. Yeah. It was 2016. Yeah. And that was the year that you coached the team that won that division at summit. Yeah. Yeah. We stole your stuff. Yeah. And then the next year I was, I <laughs> kind of like what that happened to you. Like, not that I didn't know who you were or who PCM was, but I went into summit like thinking like, Oh yeah, we're about to win. Like we're the, I think I was just like, I, th- I think you have to have that mentality. Like we're the best, like, here we go. And then you end up like hitting perfect both days and not. And then yeah. I went back and I watched that routine. I was like, Oh, I, I mean, obviously I understood why you guys won, but that's, I watched that routine from the year before, and that's what made Sassy so great, which I think was one of the most iconic years was 2017. PCM is what inspired that routine. I remember watching it, and I'm like, they have like 36 tumble passes. (laughs) And I was like, what is going on? So the next year, that was the first year, and all my teams did like times two in tumbling. And... um. But, I mean, that division, large senior four is just a blast. And... Yeah, it was a fun division. I remember I remember we were small senior four in 2014, maybe. Let's see. There's no way we won our first year. We didn't, oh, yeah, we were small senior four in 2015. And so I remember we're sitting there with the girls. And right before we go into warm-ups, Passion is on. So Passion's literally on the mat and we're watching the large senior four division. So we're it's before we go into warm-ups and we're just sitting there just watching cheerleading. And they're going, and the teams look incredible. And I, I remember joking to the girls, like, hey, guys, remind me never to go large senior four. And you know, they all kind of like, yeah, coach, like, this is intense. And I was like, okay, let's go to warm-ups or whatever. And then through some story that I might tell one other day, we end up going large senior four. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, man, this is going to be nuts. And, um, yeah, end up winning that year, which was just, couldn't believe it. Dude, you guys were insane. You guys were so good. But I got that that tumbling. There was a girl who coached at our gym just for a minute, but she had a like a small senior four that won NCA like the year before or something like that. And I remember her telling me, like on twenty with twenty kids, like, yeah, we had twelve like standing, you know, whip through passes. And I'm like, twelve out of twenty like it like blew my mind. And so that was like our big focus. It's like, we're going to get so many standing whip through passes. Like we're going to just pack the house with these things. And then before it's so crazy how coaches think, like I remember like before and or before summit, we're like, we're adding toe touches before these, which actually makes a huge difference in standing whip through pass. We're like red toe touches. Let's go. I'm not losing the SCV. <laughs> yeah, dude. And earlier I was talking about like um, how hard routines are and how hard cheer is like no matter the level. And then I look back, I'm like, we did it to ourselves. Like, as coaches, yeah. you watch a team and you just automatically think, well, I'm speaking for myself and the most, like, oh, I have to do more than that. So the next year we do more. And then it's like, oh, we have to do more than that. And the next year we do more rather yeah. than like just all like 
you know, I don't know. There are some programs that go out there and still do the bare minimum and win because it's so pretty and clean and just technically flawless. And so I think we, I personally, I'm just trying to get back to having fun coaching it, not worrying about it falling. And it's just, yeah, we're talking about the progression of cheer. And I think it really shifted 2016, 27, 2018 is when it went like through the roof on difficulty for all levels. Like the first year Kitty Cats or even Sassy or any of the other teams when we were winning NCAA and Summit, it was a standing two back walkovers and a front walkover. Mm-hmm. And now it's yeah. like front walkover, Carl back walkover, switch kick back extension roll back walkover to be in the top five. And I'm like, girls, we did this to ourselves. Like, yeah, no, we, we, we absolutely did. And I remember, let's see, I'm not sure even what story it tells. I have two examples of it, but I, I remember, you know, that year we won with um, PCM we did that stretch um, 360 TikTok to stretch, right? We have one of them in the middle and we kind of did it on accident because we were doing full up switch ups all season long. And I just kind of was like, hey, well, let's try something else. And then she hit it to stretch. And I was like, hey, let's try it from a prep. Let's try, you know, lib. And then she was a legit flyer. And I was like, hey, let's try it from a stretch. And she did it. And so we made it like the focal point of the um, actually all season long, she was not doing a full around TikTok or a full around switch up. She was doing a a full up. She was legit doing a full up in the middle. It was like our highlight stunt. She's going to do a full up two feet in the <laughs> middle. And then we started playing around with that. And she ended up doing the stretch to stretch full around TikTok. And, you know, she goes, does it to highlight of the routine. But then the next year, everyone's doing them. Maybe not stretch to stretch, but everyone's doing at least lib to lib full around TikTok. And now it's like standard in level four. So it was really cool to see us be the only ones do it. And it started with one to now it is like you have to do like a full up switch up or a or a TikTok full around to it to compete in level four now. Like it's really wild. It was really cool to see that. The um, the full and a half up immediate kick full was iconic in that routine just so we're clear um yeah i thank you i the kind of the same thing with an invert the year that sassy did like the round off in to here like everyone never did inverts because you couldn't release from below prep level and no one's like how are you gonna do that you know and then the next year like all these level four teams are doing inverts and so and the same thing i mean there are a lot of teams that are innovative but it's crazy to be a part of a division or something that creates like a trend. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we could go back to the kick double basket, you know? So it's just, it's nuts to think that a team did that for the first time. And now it has to be done by every single team in the world. Yeah. Has to be. So um, we're talking scores a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on the new score sheet? <sighs> I want every single year. I know this might sound really bad, but it's not that I don't care, right? It's I'm very passionate about this score sheet, but I'm just kind of like, just tell me what it is. And I'm going to do it, if that makes sense. Um, and I know I have yeah. a different perspective. I'm just an all-star coach at a large program. So I'm not a gym owner. I, You know what I mean? So there's different problems for each person. Um, I feel like a new coach almost. I feel like I'm like trying to get my head up. Every routine that I choreograph, whether it's mine or from another program or a CA program, like I know it, right? Like I know the numbers, I know everything I'm supposed to know, but I feel like I always have to look back and then double check and make sure. And I just feel, I just feel a little concerned that like someone who's like, I know cheer, like I could watch a stunt one time. I could tell you how many elites, how many groups did it, how many level appropriates, how many entrance exits, dismounts, like first try. But like now I'm having to go back as a coach and do it. I'm just worried about it being um, correctly 
just correctly appropriate, like appropriately scored, correctly counted um, with the whole same same section, different section, recycling athletes. It's just getting really confusing. It's getting, um, it's just overwhelming, even as a coach who's been in the game for a long time. Um, I'm just going to do what I'm told. Like, I don't really feel passionate about this to be elite at this level, or this shouldn't be elite at this level, or this is elite versus not elite or any of that stuff. I just want to be told what to do. I want to understand it clearly. And then I just want to produce what the score sheet is. Obviously it's frustrating to have a lot of changes each year and to have, um, almost just not clear communication or transparency on the expectations. Like it's just hard to understand. So, um, on one hand, I'm always going to do what's asked. I'm always going to do what I'm told. So just give it to me. But I just wish the, wish it was more clear, understandable for all coaches. If that makes sense. Yeah. So what is your um? So what's it like for you, especially with your world's teams? Not especially, but with your world's teams, where you go from the varsity score sheet all season long, and then you switch over to the world score sheet, and it being so drastically different. So what's that adjustment like? Do you feel like you make adjustments going into worlds, or how do you deal with that? Dude, it's so frustrating from a world's perspective. It was like at the beginning of the season when they released the score sheet, I was like, why do I coach two world's teams at <laughs> one summit? Because like <laughs> the the varsity score sheet is just so not cut and dry, but um, it's not comparative really. Like you do this, you max out, you do this, you max out. And then you just make sure you get all the drivers. With world, it's always an unknown, especially with comparative, um, especially with perception of difficulty. Like, it's all in the judges' hands of what they think is difficult or more difficult. Um, and it's all perspective. It's honestly opinion-based when it gets to comparative. And so what we like to do is set up our routines, especially Cheetahs and Panthers, based off the of division, really. What we might think others are going to be doing, what we think is going to be competitive. And then, like, for varsity specifically, like – Right now, we're going to put in our jump number for Worlds, and we're going to train that just because we don't want to get to Worlds and have eight new kids in our jumps who haven't been training it all year. And so we are setting yeah. up our jump number, our basket number, um, all of that on the world score sheet um, to ultimately be successful in the end. Because we know if we need to go straight up or water something down or do something, it won't really affect us like on the varsity score sheet as much compared to Worlds. So it's more setting up our routines for Worlds and then adjusting um, – to feel confident and prepare early in the season. Yeah. There we go. And I feel like, I feel like this, um, do you guys feel like when, it, so what's your goal? Here, here's me. Here, I'll tell you my goal. And I want to kind of hear from what I, what I see as an outside perspective. When we go, like when I go to showcase, like I really want all of our teams to hit, like water down, whatever you need by time we get the showcase. And that, not that they're doing perfect routines, but I really want to have, zero deductions, you know, I'm okay with like a stunt drop, but that's really like my expectation. Um, but do you feel like you're on a different timeline with the world's kids? Um, Cause sometimes, you know, you go, and you guys start your showcases in blue debuts in like October, right? Yeah. That's early. It's like the end of October. Yeah. And so do you feel like you set a different expectation for your, or I, well, let's just say for the world's kids. Cause that's who you code. All of our, all of our teams have the same deadlines, same timeline. So not really. Um, I think just this year specifically, there's been an entire shift just across Plano, across the brand on like mindset and mentality. I would say before, um, from a coaching perspective, we obviously never want our kids to go out and like feel embarrassed or feel not good enough or feel like a fool, right? But it's just Blue Day Abuse kind of like our test. Like 
if it's falling seven out of 10 times in the gym, we're probably not going to do it. You know, if it's, if it's like, they can do it, like, let's just see how they are under pressure. That's kind of like our test. It's kind of like our, we don't really care. We're known for like looking a little crazy. Like just generally speaking, the last 10 years, we're known for looking a little crazy earlier on and magically looking great at NCA and worlds. Um, and then that really hasn't worked out for us. I think the last two years, like having all of that difficulty in and pushing it, like I know sassy cats, <laughs> for example, like at blue debut, like the last three years, we've dropped like five out of the seven or, but we're also doing like, <laughs> we're also doing like the hardest of the hardest, like, let, let's just go for it. Like, let's just see, you know, like, so it's kind of like a little test. Cause then we compete like the next weekend. That's when we start like taking things back, like removing, um, and we used to think that was beneficial, like thinking about it, like you've competed the hardest stunt three times and now we've made it easier. You're going to feel a lot better competing the easier stunt after you've already like dropped it. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but no, no, yeah, for sure. That's not really our mentality this year. Um, our mentality has completely shifted. Our deadlines are earlier. The technique is like way more hands-on heavy. I'm just last year as a program, it was not our best across all levels, um, and so I'm speaking from Plano specifically. Um, it just wasn't our best season results wise. And so, um, and we're not going to sit here and be like, oh, we're CA and we're the best and we're just going to keep, no, like something's wrong. Like we need to fix it. And so um, we really just don't deep, like lots of meetings, lots of just so much stuff to kind of change our approach going into the year. But for world team specifically, our deadlines are a little bit earlier this year, um, especially for the building, like stunts and pyramids are already done. Um, which typically we don't do pyramids until later because of college kids or because of school, whatever all of the issues are. But um, the mentality shifted a little bit, I would say this year, but the world's kids, it's the caliber of the cheer is so hard. And like, like for Panthers, the routine we did at majors is the same routine at worlds. We just didn't hit it. Same personnel, same kids, same 38. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. just, and at NCA too, it's the same exact routine. It's just so many outside of factors um, that play into the results that weekend. Oh, this just literally just popped into my head when you said Panthers and Worlds. Um, the uh, Panther on the uniform that Sassy wore. How'd you guys pull that off? How were you like, hey, Brad, we want to wear Panthers old uniform? So that Panther uniform was like Rebel's debut, I think, into like the cheer world. This was before Rebel did uniforms or anything like that. And um, I don't know the specifics behind it, but Rebel made Panthers uniform. They wanted to deba debut it at Worlds. They debuted it at Worlds. Um, they went from first to second, not that it's the uniform problem, but in Texas, it's like, we were, we are very superstitious about stuff like that. So it was like, Panthers were in first day one, went to second day two. We're like, we're never wearing that again. <laughs> um, and I, I personally loved it. Um, the uniform and it was just sitting in a closet. And like I mentioned, um, I mentioned earlier, like that year was our first year of sassy. We took it so serious, like grabbing people's attention, doing things other teams wouldn't do. And like, we knew people would talk about us wearing the old Panther uniform. And if it's sitting in a closet and it's all dusty, like, you know, like it's just sitting there, like, why not? So we tried it on and um, ended up getting grief. You know, why do they get to wear the uniform? You know, like just, you know, this stuff. And some people hated it. Some people loved it. And it kind of just created more talk about Sassy. And um, that's kind of how that came about. It was just sitting in a closet all dusty. And then we ended up wearing, we like, and it was like a new concept where like the mesh was cut out and rebel came and like matched the color of each athlete on Panthers that year. That's cool. So 
like when they wore it, it matched their skin tone. But so then on Sassy, we had different types. Of, so it was like, so okay. We were like, we're going to do it. Like, we don't care. Like, if it's, it doesn't fit you. Get it hemmed. Like, we are wearing this uni at, at Summit. Um, and that's just kind of how it worked out. And that, when you say that and you bring up that uniform, I just, there's a story that pops into my head. Like, was the biggest, one of the biggest lessons for me as a coach. Like, we, I think we were in, we were going in to compete. I think we were in second or first in the finals and we had dropped all seven stunts and stunt basket pyramid on the warm up floor. So we're like in the warm up <laughs> floor and we had dropped all seven. And it was one of those moments like what, like I honestly had never experienced that with a senior team. And I looked at Ray yeah, and he looked like he was about to cry. And I looked at Ambrose and I was like, we just got to smile. You know, we just got to smile. We moved in. Um, I just said like one line to them. And it, like shifted our mentality, it shifted the energy, and we went out and like hit our best routine. But like that taught me how to yeah. how to maintain your composure as a coach. And like if everything falls backstage, it's what you say, it's how you react, it's their mindset that's going to shift whether or not they do it when they walk out there. So for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. That dude, that actually reminded me that year we won with BCM. Um, we we're a hot mess in the warm up room, <laughs> a hot mess. And <laughs> I remember, so we're warming up and they can't hit the pyramid. They can't hit it at all. And I'm talking like bodies on the ground. <laughs> and and I remember like SCV walked in, you know, Danielle walks in and she's just cold blooded. And she's walking in <laughs> and the kids are just hitting the ground. And I'm like, guys, turn around. <laughs> so we can't hit it. And I go, all right, guys. Well, go to baskets at least. So they do baskets. I'm like, well, those look good. Go and, and so, you know, we have 30 seconds left. I'm like, try the pyramid one more time. And they hit it. And I'm like, all right, guys, let's go. And they go out there, and, you know, hit the routine. But I just remember thinking like, you would have never, because Ash, Ash, my wife wasn't in the warmups with me. And she was with like her level two team or something. And I'm like, Ash, they were, I know they hit that routine just now, but you should have seen them 10 minutes ago because it was not pretty. Like these kids were just, you know, bodies on the floor, like embarrassing. Like <laughs> That's youth kids. I mean, kitty cats, I think, I mean, I was on that team for eight years. And then when we started a family, that was kind of like traded kids for kids, different kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. that was the most systematic I'd ever felt. And it was this like, just every single year there was a recipe, there was a system, like I call it like the kitty cat way. Like that's why we became so successful is because we had this system and stuck to it. But if they weren't a mess on the warm up floor, we were worried. Like, and I remember like we were at the point where it was like, we're going for six in a row, seven in a row. And coaches would literally coaches are lining up on our warm up floors just to watch us warm up to, just to see how we're warming them up, like all this stuff. And I'm talking bodies, just tears, just, just everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> this I'm like, look, at, we look at the other coaches and I'm like, okay, thank God. Like, cause the, if they're great on the warm up mat, I'm like worried about it. Like for specifically. So it's just, yeah. and each team is different. Each age is different, but the warm up room and that whole emotional experience as a coach and that feeling that you get throughout the whole thing is just a whole other ball game. Yeah, so kitty cats, speaking of warm up room with kitty cats, uh, our first year, our first year at American, we have medium youth one. And so we go against you guys. Um, and I remember watching you guys in warmups and you guys didn't have much of a warmup. Like you're literally playing like tag or duck, duck goose or something like that. So <laughs> I 
I'm like, man. And you guys had it like that. You guys went, beat us by like five points. And I was like, I'm not sure what was five. But I mean, <laughs> I was like, okay, these guys are good. Like, um, so we've, we've kind of bounced around. You've mentioned it a few times. Kitty Cats, um, talk to us about them. Another iconic team in the industry. Dude, um, I can I could talk about Kitty Cats all day. I get emotional just thinking about it. Um, they changed the way that a lot of us coach in the gym. I think there's a perception, even coming in as a new coach, that, you know, CA is the best. They just put all these kids on these teams. Anyway, it really, it made me be a coach. Like, you have these kids where in CA, like, we, we there's a team for every kid, right? And so my first year, it was like, if they were youth and they were brand new, they went to Kitty Cats. This was before All-Star Prep. This was before there was in, any introduction. And I remember going into the first year of Kitty Cats, we were small and we just had these 17 girls that didn't have a back handspring. And it was just like, let's kind of like the sassy thing. Like let, let, let's make this the best that we can be. And then we ended up winning NCA like unexpectedly, like so exciting. And then that was the first year summit was a thing or I think the second year. And I'd never even heard of it. And they invited us long story short, it just became a culture building. It became something that everyone wanted to be a part of. It helped it helped me coach my other teams better. Like um, when I coach Kitty, it's so easy to create a foundation and a system with basic skills, basic elements, and then you learn to take that to your other teams. What I learned coaching Kitty in like 15 and 16 is what helped me become like, I think my like my peak years or my best years were like 17, 18, like across the board, like Cougars, Kitties, Panthers, Swoosh, like all those teams were successful winning. And I think, it wouldn't be like that if it wasn't for kitty. Like it really there does. It, you have to like, it forced you to be innovative um, at that level and level one, it forced you to think of things people haven't done and, you know, push the boundary, push the envelope and truly teach kids basics. Like <laughs> this is how you hold a shoe. And like, yeah, this is the count you should be on. And like, I never learned to break it down that much until I learned that like on kitty, you know? And so definitely changed the way that I coach, um, across the board for sure. No. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I hear that loud and clear. I used to work for action spirit and we go around and do these, um, choreography camps. Right. And I'm always working level five athletes. Right. And, and, and we had some big, some big camps, right. Um, F five, right. And I, and I, or Maryland choice, but I would, I would literally be working with F five, right. Or working with, um, you know, super cells and whoever, right. You know, these big, these big gyms. And, um, like the level five worlds or level five at the time world's kids. And then my first year coaching, I'm coaching mid season and none of them have cheered before. And I'm like, man, I thought I knew how to coach. Apparently I don't know how to coach. <laughs> exactly. Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know how to hang around with really talented athletes and, you know, give them tips, but I don't know how to coach. Right. Yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> it's crazy when you feel that shift. Um, you think you know what you're doing. You think you, you can coach, you know, and then it's, you really have that like epiphany, like, Oh, this is what it means to prepare a team. And so it's, it's crazy. For sure. To prepare a team. That's exactly right. Um, breaking news. I'm not sure. We'll edit it out if I have to, uh, athletics coming to spirit sports this year. Yes, we are. Yeah, we are. Um, we're actually bringing our youth teams, our youth program, um, to spirit sports, I think there's so many reasons behind it. Um, we offer a travel trip to all of our teams. 
Um, and the youth summit wasn't something that was enticing for us. Um, but the parents kind of felt like they didn't get like a fun travel experience. So we did like a voting system where we put like some travel nationals that we think, um, would be appealing, um, to the parents, whatever. And then Palm Springs, I guess was a hit. I mean, it's honestly like where parents want to travel, you know, to have fun. Um, and so it's just kind of like replacing a travel end of the year travel event. So our youth kids can feel like fun and exciting. And obviously California is a great cheer area. There's so many phenomenal programs, um, and lower level teams that attend spirit sports. Um, like we see a lot of the, I mean, there's great lower levels in Texas and around our area too, but I think it'll just be a fun experience for us to go to the other side of the country for a weekend and, you know, have some fun and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, Spirits, which is a great competition. It's the, when people ask me what competition they should come to in California, it's spirit sports for sure. It's, it's really great event. Um, so your families will have fun. Are you going to make the, I know you're not coaching them. Um, but will you be making the trip by chance? No, I will not be making the trip. Um, we have teams that are preparing, um, for the major nationals. Like all my teams are back practicing. So, um, there we go. Yeah, but the uh, the youth coaches and the youth teams are really, really excited. Good stuff. Can't wait to see cheer athletics. Speaking of cheer athletics in California, um, I'm pretty. Sh- do you remember? Do you remember that rumor that cheer athletics was moving to California? Was going to open a gym here. I remember the rumor that we were opening up in every state. <laughs> like literally, it's like every other week we're opening up somewhere new. Um, back in the day, I remember like when we were very first opening like locations. Um, I remember like it being rumored or talked about. Um, but then I just go to the owners. I'm like, are we doing this? Like, no, I think, I mean, never say never. Right. And I, and as a coach, I'm never involved in any expansion. Like, honestly, when the world finds out about it, that's when I find out about it. Like, they're not like, it's, it's nothing bad. They're just not like, Hey guys, we're opening up location here. It's kind of like a huge announcement kind of for everyone. And so never say never, but I don't think so. Cause I mean, Brad and Tanaz, they love each other. <laughs> um, they have like such a strong relationship. So um, I don't know. Never say never, but I don't think it's in the plans at all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait, when you're, you know, a thousand miles away, it's easy to have a nice relationship, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's easy. Okay. Um, dude, I got so many things I want to talk about right now. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll dive here because you, you, you've brought it up with, um, Especially you talked about like Kitty doing like um, like we won the first year with two back walkovers. And now we look over and this is just like cheer athletics across the board. But just the craziness, like where are we coming up with this this craziness at cheer athletics where we're like making up new tumbling skills? Like we're going to do this like front limber, kick half a leg, switch that leg, then back walk over into a double split. Like what are we doing over there? Like where does this creativity come from? What's up, man? Dude, Kitty, I mean, there's creativity across the board, like in general, and all of the teams. Um, it's it's really crazy. And it's all of it. It's sassy, you know. You know, y'all. Did, I don't even know how to explain that thing. That, <laughs> what's that thing, y'all? I can't even explain that thing y'all did on Sassy, where you're holding the kids and their feet are like scorpioned over, and you know, there's just so much stuff that you do where you're just like, how, how did they come up with that? I think, dude, it's really crazy. There's so many talented, unique minds within just the walls of Plano. And I think that's something, obviously, that is a huge asset to everyone is that you're surrounded by masterminds. But it's also really competitive as well Um, with coaches and choreographers. Like, we want to have the coolest something in our style. Or, like, we want to come up with that thing 
that no one's ever seen. And like, as coaches, we use our teams as those outlets. Like I remember like with Kitty and Sassy, even Panther Swoosh, like, I'm like, I'm about to do something that no one thought of and everyone's going to wish that they would have put it in their routine. And like, not only am I like that, but there are several other coaches who are like that as well. And so I think having like having that vibe within the program kind of helps like keep you on your toes and helps push you. Um, the expectation standard that we have at Plano is just, I'm so grateful for it. Like our kids, like they will try whatever, you know, they're so open-minded like, I feel like some programs, like, just for example, like, I'll go do outside choreo, and they're like, oh, yeah, my youth team cannot be in for more than four hours, or they'll just check out, and they get space cadet, mm-hmm. and I'm like, girl, Kitty's going to be in here for eight, <laughs> you know, so it's like, we don't really, <laughs> yeah. it's like, the just the, the expectation is different, so if we say, like, hey, she's going to loop her leg around her foot, we're going to dip, she's going to flip over and twisty spin, they're like, terrified, right, like, about to cry, but they're not going to be like, it's not like, oh, I'm really scared or oh, we, I don't think we can do that. Like there's none, there's none of that push. And so the athletes like are equally um, are the reasons why we're able to do that because they will just do whatever and they just are super open-minded at all ages and levels. So a lot of it comes from being, and we do like creative workshops like within our staff where we all get together and we work on level one, level two, level three, level four stuff. Um, and then it's just, and the industry too, like there are other programs who are coming up with like crazy wild, you know, unique transitions and innovative stuff. And so we want to be the best program. And then inside of our program, we want to be the best in our program. So then it leads to like, ultimately, like hopefully being some of the best in the world or whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. No, hundred percent. All right. So speaking of the best in the world, tell me about, give me a story either from like your first year winning NCA. I'm thinking as a coach, as a coach or the summit or worlds. Give me, give me a great story from one of those years. Dude, breaking the curse with Panthers still feels unreal. And when I look back at it, it still feels like it didn't happen. And it's not a job. It's not even about breaking the curse. It's knowing that like the four coaches and the parents and the kids were able to pull something off. That was literally the unthinkable and, it's just the memories and there are so many memories attached to the season. Every season has amazing memories. You can look back and get emotional about any single season, any single moment. It's just better when you win. If that makes sense. And so like the first day, the first day at NCA was the first time we'd ever hit our routine like that year in 2018. And we were in shock, right? I mean, like you're in the arena, it's day one, you're in large senior and you just go out and, nail a zero deduction routine and I think because of that it led us to the rest of the season like it built the girls confidence like oh gosh like we can do this and then as coaches you feel like not only can you like prepare your team for a cheer routine but you can prepare your team for like the largest venue in the world like the most pressure in the world and so it's a little boost of confidence and then like after we hit day two at NCA and you're winning grand um, it's my first grand, you know, in worlds. I have one grand with Kitty. I had one grand with Sassy and just waiting for that grand, you know, like at the world's level. And it was like the first time that you had done it. And then after NCA, it's like, oh, no one's broke the curse. No one can ever do that. And then you're hit with like all of that doubt, like all of that insecurity and like our kids can feel it. And then it's like the fight and the uphill battle to be like, you've already done this. Like we can do this. And like, 
that's when it shifted like my mentality, not just as a coach, as a person, like that's when I like dove into like running and like yoga. Like Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to be my best self. And like the things that my yoga teacher would say to me is what I would say to Panthers. And like, yeah, like that shifted like your mentality as a coach. And I remember saying like, this is what changed the energy. I'm like, we do, we are cursed. Like we are the curse to be the first. And I think like that line, like itself, we said that like all year, like when everyone said like, we're cursed, we won in CA, we're never going to win worlds. Like, yeah, we are cursed. Like we're the curse to win the first. And I'll never forget, like we go, and these are all coaches, like everyone's involved. I keep saying I, but it's all we, like we go into worlds like with this, are we like, we know we can hit it in the gym, but like, what's going to happen? Like we, we don't know what's going to happen. And then the first day at worlds, like we hit it. And it was like NCA all over again. It was like, yeah. we're in shock. Like, oh my God. Cause two weeks before we were trash. Sorry, excuse my language. But like, <laughs> I remember like the girls will tell you the story. Like they had, it was like rock star cheer, like in Garland and they hadn't even come off of the floor. And I was already like fingered. You have 10 wonderfuls. You have, like, you have 25 of <laughs> full and a half backs, like screaming. And I remember like Brad, like, Hey, like, let's like, Hey, like, <laughs> calm down. Like, <laughs> like we were terrible two weeks before. So we go into the world's the first day, like, are we about to do it? And then we do it. And then I remember like self diving, like, sorry, not to get emotional, but it's like, that 24 hours, like going into finals was like brutal. Like you want something like so bad. And there's like 38 girls who like, look at you, like to lead them and like, look at the coaches to like lead them in success. And you literally like, don't know how it's going to go. Like, especially in large senior. Right. So it's like, they're looking at you and you're looking at them and you have to come up with the right words. Like you have to have the mentality you have to have, like everything lined up. So they feel like consistent and then that same story i told with sassy like brad and ambrel and joe and i still look at each other like with that story like we go into finals the second day you're going last in large senior and we're on the warm-up mat and (laughs) sorry jade but i'm going to talk about it there's a girl named jade on panthers jade withrow she went to navarro she was on the netflix documentary she's absolutely incredible all of a sudden she couldn't tumble. <laughs> she was like the center jumper, center one to full, straining to double, didn't flip her body over one time. The team can see it. She can see it. We can see it. We're like, oh God. It's one of those things like we're not going to react. You know, like we're just going to trust in her. We're going to trust in ourselves. And we're warming up the tumbling. Then we go to building. All nine elites fall. No, no lie. We do a stamp basket pyramid. All nine elites come down. Yeah. And we look at each other and like, you know, it's like, it's our job to keep them mentally composed. And it's, if we make a big deal out of it, they're going to make a big deal out of it. So then, you know, we do the things that we need to do to get them mentally prepared, but I'll never forget like standing in that circle hand in hand and like orange nails, their routine, senior elite nails, their routine, world cup, like nails, their routine. And like our, I, I remember like Brad talking and Joe talking and Amber talking and all of the girls are like looking around, like in the arena, like just, overwhelmed and I remember like the moment I was like look at my eyes like yeah we are the only people in this circle like we are the only 38 people that matter and I kind of remember like having the speech and these words like I thought about it for like two weeks and it like just flowed so well and all the other coaches too like Brad and Amber and Joe are all so great with like we have this system of like the part that we play and how we motivate and it all just like felt like it was flowing and then you just remember like those words. I remember saying like, this is the first year. It was like the new cheer arena. Right. And it was like the first, I'm like, I looked at them. I'm like, we're going to break the curse and we're going to do it. And we're going to be the first team to win large senior in the new arena. And like, I remember that year, like 
vividly imprinting on them, like the impact that Panthers have made in the industry, like the first team to do three jumps to a back tuck on the hard floor, the first team to do the tilt, the first team to win worlds, the first all girl team to win majors. Like we were the first of everything almost. And I mean, not really, but like, I'm just reminding them like this team has done it. Like this team has done it. We were the first to this and we're about to be the first to win worlds in this new arena. And like, it was like the energy shifted. And then I remember like feeling like I was going to pass out. And like when the routine was happening, it felt like it was in slow motion and like, it didn't feel real. Like even waiting for awards, you know, in large senior, you never know what can happen. Everyone just laid out like their best routine. So it's like that season, that memory, that story, it just has so much like involved, like so much story, so much emotion. Um, Because I started coaching Panthers. I think, wait, that was my fifth year coaching Panthers and my first time to win worlds, you know, like with that team. Um, and the same can be said for Amberl. And that was the first time that we had won large senior since 2006. Crazy. So 12, yeah. 12 years. So it was just emotional. And Brad, obviously Brad's been coaching Panthers for like, since they began, you know, and um, to, to be a part of something so great is just, it's just, undescribable and those kids too and we vlogged the whole year like that was the year like the vlog became a thing and the girls like create a social media channel and so like we still go back and like watch some of those videos and like relive some of those memories but like for a story or a moment like there's just so much you learn and just appreciate um being able to have an opportunity like that go good stuff man Real good stuff. Sorry, I'm an emotional person. I cry a lot. (laughs) No, you're good. I love it. I love it, man. You know, you know, we pour our hearts into these these kids and these seasons, and you know, people don't understand like how much we really like toil over all of this stuff, right? Like how it's just nonstop on our minds all of the time. Um, like all of the time, it's just all on our mind and figuring like, oh, if I move this kid here, like I can do this and this and that I can move this around and, and blah, blah. So all these like different things. So for sure, you know, I, I a hundred percent same page. I feel you, man. Um, well, you made me think of this. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to add, like, it's so weird. Cause like you, I never won, like as I was on Cheetahs and Wildcats two or three years. I never won NCA or World. So I was never like an athlete, like as a world champion. And I feel like it gives me like that extra umph, you know, to like, you know, I never got this and to know that I can do it as a coach. Cause you're winning with like, like you, you know, you can do it as a coach, right? You have that confidence and that reality. And it's like, it motivates you more to not win. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, it motivates me more on the outside to like want to do it. But I didn't mean to interrupt what you're about to ask. No, no, for sure. No, but I, I, the same thing. I remember that my first year at NCA, we lose the Wildcats and I am, I'm in tears, right? The whole team's in tears. We're just sobbing, right? And it's only my second year cheering. So my first year cheering, we won UCA. So we win UCA. My next year we go to NCA and we lose, right? And so I had like very early on in my cheer career, I learned and winning was the greatest – winning UCA was the greatest feeling in the world. Like there was nothing that was better than that, like right in my entire life up to that point. Losing NCA now, conversely, is the worst feeling I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. Like I'm heartbroken, right? And I learned very quickly um, that I would rather win than lose, right? And that feeling is just terrible. And so I always want to, one, prevent that feeling for my kids – 
and then give them the feeling of what it's like to reach your goals because you could, you know, you know it and you're just like, Hey guys, we, we got to get moving at practice because I've been, I've been on both sides of this token before and you don't want that other side. You don't want to, you don't want to be a team that, that has poured everything into it. And, you know, you just weren't good enough. Like it's terrible, you know, and, and second place is nothing to be ashamed of, but no one wants to hear. And in second place, from Plano, Texas, right? It's just like, man, it's crushing. Um, real quick, how do you? F- oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, how, how do you feel about um, Worlds doing second or the World Champion before second place? No, I'm not a fan. I, I, I'm not a fan of that just because I think I might be used to the other way. I'm just like a creature of habit. If that makes sense, I didn't think it needed to change. I think it's our job as coaches to teach your kids like how to act at awards and like before it shifted when you're in a position to win like i mean at ca specifically like we don't move until we hear our name like we'll we'll sit up and like clap or whatever and it's like we maintain our composure out of just respect for the other team i think is more of just like our thought process so the old way like you know like we're in first you know and we're winning but it's like you have to hold it you know because it's just out of respect for second you know, and then you have like your moment where it's like, okay, here's the winner and everyone gets to celebrate. People can come congratulate you. I don't think, you know, second ever gets that time or that moment. And I just think it's awkward, you know, for everyone, like we're celebrating the winner and then not celebrating second. And then second has to like cry and find out that they're second and then congratulate the winner. So it's just, it's hard. Cause I think there's so many components to acting professionally at awards and I would just rather go third second and then third and second is like clapping for first and they have their moment and you know it might be hard but it's just i i don't like the shift or the change i like it when it was you know the way that it was yeah just the way that every other event does it in the world (laughs) um how do i you know i've never had to i've never had to sit through an award ceremony where it was me right where like i actually had to sit through it um so as a fan i'm like yeah i guess and as a fan, you're like, well, I guess it's kind of the same thing, except for second place doesn't get their moment. So I would prefer it the regular traditional way where we go and in second place, you know, whoever, and then that team gets to stand up and, and do that because it, it it puts it really puts the emphasis on the team that won when you do second place you know, second or however, when you announce the the world champion before second place, it really, because the whole crowd erupts, the other team has to sit there and go, yeah, this kind of sucks, right? Even if they're like really happy, right? Even if they climbed up, they, they went from 10th to second, they don't really get that moment where they really wanted to celebrate. Um, right. I think it's, as far as the, like, the, it's for the initial shock factor, right? Like instead of yeah. in second place, like who's it going to be? It's your world champion is, which sounds a lot better, but from like an athlete and a coach perspective, it's really hard to like congratulate. I don't know. It's just hard to like be respectful and give them that moment because you're over here crying, you know? Yeah. Like, and I, I haven't, I don't think I've experienced it at worlds. <laughs> Wish I would have. Um, but I think a good example for me was like Wildcats and Revelation, like last year, like I was just like a part of it. And I mean, either team could have won whatever. I was really happy for the victory, but it was like, we find out and it's like, we have to like console our kids and like worry about them while teaching them to be great sports. Like go congratulate the winner. You know, like, I know you just found out you lost, but go rather than like finding out that you lost like second place. Like, here's my photo, get 30 seconds. 
Because I mean, like, it's it's just from an athlete's perspective and a coaching perspective. Not, I don't really care like the initial shock, like world champion is this or say, I don't really care about that. It's yeah. more of like how we can better our kids to be good sports at awards. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Tell me NCA versus worlds. What's, uh, wh- what are your feelings like, you know, comparatively to each other? Personally, I'm just an NCA. When the kids are competing. I'm an NCA guy all around. Like it's like a holiday for me. I get my own bed, <laughs> which is so nice. <laughs> um, and, I can run to all the venues and watch all the lower level teams. Like I'm, I'm just like a cheer fanatic, like lower level, all levels, like being in the arena is just a whole vibe. It's an experience. I literally, I don't know if like I will stand in the coach's box, like at the back of the coach's box for every world's team. Like I want the world's view. I'm on my feet. They hurt. I become friends with the music lady. Like it's just a, it's a fun time. It's like a holiday for me. Worlds like, it's just there's not as much cheer if that makes sense there's not much to like obviously i love to watch the the world's teams all the world's teams are great but it's like there's more cheer like different levels different programs there's more like excitement i think at nca like five different grands or six different grands and all that i just think it's from cheer perspective it's just more fun and enjoyable as a coach and i get to be home like the world aspect of it it's nice that i only have the two teams like, it's just nice that it's just, you yeah. know, Panthers and Cheetahs and we get to go. And it's it's a lot of, like, bonding time and being away from home is great for the teams. But I'm just an NCA guy all around. I remember that was the last competition. You were done at NCA and then you had those months to, you know, prepare for the next, which I obviously miss a lot um, as a coach. And so I'm definitely, if we had to pick one, I would definitely pick NCA. There you go. You know, one of my honest, this is honestly, honestly, one of my favorite moments from NCA this past season was watching you watch Cheetahs hit. Like when they hit, like you, like they came off the floor and you're like flexing. And I was like, dude, that's what I'm talking about. Like that's that coach feeling right there when your team hits. Like those boys. Uh, you're just flexing. You're like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it's because those boys, there's a lot of testosterone and like, that's what they're like, let's go. You know, they hit the very like, they're like, they all flex their muscles. And so, I mean, that's, that's what gets us excited. But I mean, Cheetah's day one. I mean, that whole, that team last year was just an experience. We had, I think we had like, literally, I'm not joking, over 25 roster changes. Um, it was just a whirlwind. And we were day one team, like day one at NCAA, day one at Worlds. But I, I was just so excited for that team because we had gone through so much those two weeks leading up to NCA, And so like that moment when they hit, I mean, that's what you want. I mean, you just want your team to hit, you know, especially at NCA. And like, I live for that moment in the coach's box. And like, I have these little rituals that I do. Like I build them up like through sections. <laughs> I sound crazy. Like, <laughs> for example, like there's this girl on Sassy, like we did, we would do like 10 of the pyramid and whatever. And like on the first three, I would just watch her hold a prep and they hit. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to watch her hold a prep. And then I would just watch her instead of the pyramid and we would hit all 10. Then at competitions, I would not watch the pyramid. I would just watch her hold her prep. Like, I'm just like watching her hold her prep. Okay, great. We hit it. Like these little things that I do that are so stupid um, or like a word that I'll say, like, or I'll yell a count. Like if they're supposed to hit the invert on six, I'm like, yeah, like screaming at like all these little rituals that I do. So like the performance in itself is just like an experience um, and an exciting time when it's good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so yeah that moment at NCA is so fun there we go good stuff man all right um man I want to ask you, okay I want to ask you this I do want to ask you this John what do you do well what is your thing like what what do people 
like maybe uh, a gym would bring you in for, or maybe let's say another Plano team, the, you know, the coaches that know you well, Hey John, we're struggling. Why would they call you like to clean up, to do choreography, to increase, you know, to look at technique, you know, what's your thing? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I lo- like I said, I love all things cheer and I'm super passionate about ev- like everything that I do. Um, like my with my role within the brands, like I am considered the director of routine development, so it kind of helps like just develop a a routine and help a team like look prepared. I think that's something that, I mean, not with my track record at Worlds, but I think something that I'm great as like just preparing a team, like all aspects, like just getting a team from A to B in a short amount of time and seeing like a lot of results. I mean, obviously, I do a lot of choreography. I do a lot of technique words. I love to do dances. Um, I don't know. They bring a lot of the teams bring me in for so many different things throughout different points of the season. Like right now is a lot of choreography, um, like help or shifts, like with videos or transitions or formations. Creativity is huge. Like any creative ideas, but I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't love know. every. I love everything. Cheer. Like I could run a jump section for two hours, and I could. Yeah. I could do it all. Um, but if I had to pick something that I would like really, really want to focus on, like if I could just do a day of cheer and focus on something, I think it would be a day of technique work and like cleanliness work. Like I just love breaking down stunts. I love breaking down tumbling. I love like, I just love synchronization. (laughs) That's so weird. I just like, I love like timing people together and like having a video of this 30 girls, like looking raggedy. And then after two hours, them looking like the way they should. Just pristine. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I'm great at transformation, whatever it is, whether it's choreography, creativity, technique, flyers. Like I like seeing growth and transformation from a short period of time to an end period of time. There we go. Good stuff, man. Let's go. All right, guys, bring John <laughs> out to your uh, your gym and he'll hook you guys up. He'll transform them no matter what their problems are. Um, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> oh, man, man. There's so I We have our final three questions, but you've made. OK, real quick. I don't have a Snapchat. However, I get the feeling that you run the Triathletic Snapchat. Is that true? Or you at least ran it at one point. Is that true? <laughs> so, well, back in the day, like when Snapchat became a thing, but before we even like had social media or like social media, you know, team, it was like a thing where they're like, there's this new app called Snapchat, you know, you should run it or whatever. And so then I started like my very first, I only did it for two days. It was a weekend, like a Saturday and Sunday where I'm just like, <laughs> Hey guys, it's me, John with the Chatletic Snapchat. And then I just followed like the teams around for like two days on snap. And then I think it was like the next year. That's when Panthers and cheetahs like started the vlog, like with um, following everyone around the good YouTube channel. And then like people started commenting like, Oh, look, it's John with the Chatletic Snapchat or look, it's John. And then it like became like a tagline of mine. I only did it for yeah, like two days. That's funny. But then like every time I'd get on the vlog, I'm like, Hey guys, it's me, John from the Chatletic Snapchat. And that's just kind of like how it developed. And so still now to this day, like people are like, it's John from the Chatletic Snapchat, even though I haven't <laughs> been on it. And I'm not even kidding. 10 years, I would say. Um, <laughs> that's really funny. But it's just the tagline that's kind of stuck around. And I'm actually thinking like, I'm actually considering just starting my own like vlogging channel, just following my mm-hmm. practices and like following like events. Cause the kids like to see it. And I think that that component can be helpful. Like I said earlier. And so I might just keep the tagline, even though it's not on Snapchat, no, it'll be on YouTube, but it's great. No, it's, it's, it's honestly great. <laughs> that's kind of how it developed. I have 
when I started, I used to do a lot of live videos on Facebook when we were like promoting new programs, like we're promoting the mid-season program. I would do, I would get on live and then just talk about the program. And as soon as the camera came on, I would go, and we're live. And that was like my thing. I said it every, and I was doing, I was doing live videos like every other week and we're live. Anyway, in the, uh, and then when I started the podcast, I'm like, how am I going to start the podcast? I started saying, well, I don't say, and we're live, but I say, and we're on. And now it became like part of the the theme music or whatever. So I kind of got the feeling because I hear you say it all of the time. I'm like, he must have ran the Snapchat. And now it's just like stuck, like it's his thing or whatever. So you ran it for two days. Fun fact. That's what you learn here on the Let's Talk to Your Podcast. I don't even think we use it anymore. Yeah. And now we have like a, we have like social media teams and directors who run all the social media accounts and stuff like that. So, um, no longer, no longer with the Snapchat, but it's like a tagline that hangs around. Yeah, good stuff. Here we go. Last three questions. We got. I don't even know. Uh, what's something you want to? What's something that needs to start, stop, or and or change in the industry? Hmm. I know you. I've had time to think about this, and I've, there's so many things. But um, I think what needs to start is the coaches' education on the importance of the mental aspect when it comes to cheer and the way to like guide these athletes and these young children, just like mentally um, through cheer and just through the expectations and through everything that it entails. And I'm not talking like, Oh, this is going to be hard. Like it's so overwhelming to be a part of a sport. And there's so many different um, components that go into being in a group setting and being a part of a team and all of these things. And I feel like coaches, kind of forget and I mean I'm one of them kind of forget that they're humans and that they're people and that um that we are molding these people's lives and that we are hopefully making them like better people like when they leave our program and I know it sounds so cliche but like I would not be who I am today without the people at CA or nor would I have like the life that I'm able to live without the influence of them and without athletics because like I was a total like just whatever adjective you want to describe like when I was 17 like so non-caring no filter like so many lessons I needed to learn and I was able to do that because the people genuinely cared about me and like I mentioned earlier I never won in CA or Worlds and Spirit is down the road like winning every single year but I never left CA just because of you know the people and my coaches who I honestly felt like were changing my life like genuinely And I feel like coaches forget the opportunity that they have um, just to mold people's lives um, from an athlete perspective. I run like intense practices, high expectations, like it's brutal. But then there's so many things that we do as coaches outside of the practice um, to make sure that they know that we care just as people and as humans and like being vulnerable. Like I cry in front of my kids every year, whether it's about like what I should be doing better as a coach or apologizing to them for letting them down or taking accountability. Like I just think having that open communication and vulnerability with your athletes is just so important, especially nowadays with everything going on in the world and um, the way that um, how relevant and aware people are just about like mental health and um, peer pressure and all of those things. I just think obviously we need to win and we need to make our kids the best. And that's our goal as coaches is to, to create a great routine, but getting back to the roots of making sure we're creating great people and molding amazing humans later on. Yeah. Uh, all coaches out there listening, tell your athletes you love them today. Twice. For sure. Um, twice. There you go. You heard, you heard it from the man. Um, let's see. All right. Any, here's your chance for the world. Any narratives, myths, or rumors you want to debunk? 
<laughs> when it comes to triathletics, I feel like there's a rumor about every single thing, every single aspect. Like, I don't think <laughs> I've heard something where I'm not shocked anymore. I don't really know if there's any rumors or myths um, that I need or that I feel like we need to debunk. I just want to remind everyone that everyone is a – like, we're all human and we all have the same goal. Like, we all love the same sport. And we all like want to show up and have fun at a competition. And like the way that you want to feel as a cheerleader is how we want our cheerleaders to feel and how you feel as a coach is how we want our coaches to feel. And so I don't think people understand the, like the impact like a social media or outside influence has on these kids. So I, it's, I just feel like people like idolize other programs or people or create these, you know, cheer, cheer or whatever, which, I'm not going to lie. Like there are people when I cheer, like, Oh my God, there they are. Like, Oh my God, you're going to have that. But it's just like making sure you like value yourself. For me, that was Amber. Oh my God, dude, she's a beast. And it's just it, like <laughs> to work with her. And like, she, I mean, it's just, I, you can, I just want everyone to know, like everyone's people. And it's just, we, and at CA specifically, we don't, we're not like, Oh, we're true athletics or we're better than everyone else. Like the title of the best of the best is so our family and our kids feel like, they're a part of like the best of the best. It's nothing like, Oh, we're the best program or anything like that. I feel like there's a perception where it's just like, like we're full of ego and we think we can't be touched and there's no ego. But like after the last season, girl, like we know we can be touched. Like we're, we're not, we're not like, we're like, teach us your ways. You know, like we're, we're also open-minded. I feel like people don't understand the amount of work and energy and time and dedication that our coaches and our programs and our locations put into having the results that we have. Like, I don't think people understand that we work just as hard. We might have, um, you know, we we're in Dallas, right? It's a huge city and we have a huge program. Like there are, there are pros, you know, and benefits, but when it comes to practice and when it comes to all the hard work that it takes, it's not easier. And if anything, it's more difficult with all the challenges that have been thrown our way the last couple of seasons. So I hear that more money, more problems. All right. um, Last question. Here we go. Where can the people, follow you if they want to follow and this guy is great on social media so i we even talk about his social media but he's great on social media so where can people follow you or any of the uh the program or any of the specific teams give us you know anything you want to plug shout it out yeah so the, um obviously the main ca accounts on instagram and twitter like the triathletics programs they post a lot of like reels and sneak peeks but my personal my personal i'm pretty active on tiktok a lot uh because of the athletes like i said earlier it's just a whole nother aspect that the kids enjoy about having a coach is that like they can have fun and they do TikToks, whatever it is. But I do TikTok um, and Instagram a lot, um, mainly through tryouts, like boosting numbers and boosting engagement. So um, on TikTok, it's just John underscore Davenport underscore, I believe. And then on Instagram, it's John underscore Davenport underscore Knowles, I believe. I don't really know my handles. Is that weird? Or no, on TikTok, it's me, John. <laughs> It's me, John, from CA. Yeah, I was like, it's me, John, from CA, yeah. Yeah, that's it on TikTok. It's me, John, from CA. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you can follow me on there. And then, like I said, I, I I don't have a name for a channel or anything, but I did buy a camera this week. And I've been telling, like, um, the Panthers and the Cheetahs and the Sassicats that we're going to be doing, like, a little vlog channel. So um, hopefully I can, like, send a channel your guys' way. Because I want to do, like, more in-depth for, like, coaches' education as well. I feel like that's missing. Um yeah not just like, well, this is how we teach hill stretch or scorpion, but it's like, how, how can you transition from athlete to coach? Cause there's so much that goes into it and, um, all of that. So yep. Those are my social media handles. And when I create a YouTube channel, I can share it with you. And then 
hopefully we'll hop on another podcast and be able to chat about other things and I can share it from there. Yeah, for sure, man. Let's make it happen. Hey, John, thanks for coming on. Best of luck this season. Yes, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. John, thanks again for coming on the show. And I do want to take the time to pray for Haley Grace Alexander. If you haven't heard, this is the athlete from Cheer Athletics Wildcats who sustained a head injury not too long ago. And as of this recording, is in the ICU. So I just want to lift her up in prayer. Father in heaven, please have your hands on Haley Grace Alexander. Bless her with a speedy recovery. Bless the doctors with wisdom. Bless her family and her friends with strength and faith. And we just pray that everyone in this situation may be healed. We thank you and love you for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining the show. Share this podcast, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, make a donation. Until next time, 5678, we're out. Hey, Let's Talk Cheer podcast listeners. Although this episode has come to an end, there are a few other cheer podcasts out there that you can add to your weekly routine. If you're a gym owner or gym director and want to dive more into the business side of things, then check out the Connecting People and Profits podcast with host Dan Cotton. If you're a former cheerleader and want to hear the success stories from other former cheer athletes after their cheering days are done, then you'd love the Life After Cheer podcast with host Danielle Donovan. And if you want to hear the stories of the best athletes in the industry doing it at the highest level and their perspective on how to change the narrative of the sport, then the Spill the Cheer podcast with Tony G is for you. Check one of them out, check them all out, and I'll see you guys next week. Gym owners, directors, coaches, can you relate to this? You say to yourself, this season is going to be different. We're going to get all of our teams on the same page. Or maybe you're saying, we're going to get all of our coaches on the same page. You look out as the teams are practicing or maybe as they are competing and you know you can do more. Let me help you. I work with several gyms, large and small, each season, whether it's the summer and we do a coaches clinic or a stunt camp, or it's during the season and we do an in-person routine cleaning. I even do routine video reviews if you're just looking for some thorough feedback of the routine. You send me your routine and I send you a video back of your routine with everything I would fix and how I would fix it. Teams I have worked with have gone on to be world champions, NCAA all-star champions, NCAA collegiate champions, summit champions, and D2 summit champions. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can reach me via email at jasonlarkins@me.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram at Jason Larkins. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Do me a quick favor, hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about this podcast. It's a great way for you to show your support for the channel. I'm your host, Jason Larkins, and you've reached the end of Let's Talk Cheer with Jason. Thanks for listening.